This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 355 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Wulzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 3-1 win away to RB Leipzig and we will preview Saturday's match against bottom dwellers Mainz 05. For all that and more joins me Matthias Zuck. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Uh, I'm glad you survived uh, the virus infection that you had. Uh, I am doing well, Stefan. Uh, yes, I mean it's still still a little bit there, still yeah, but lingering. You, do, you, you don't sound like Darth Vader anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 a lot better, um, and uh, you know, thankfully, it's not the virus. It was just a virus. They, <laughs> they're still here, and um, but it's it's much better. I feel much better. There's nothing quite like spending your birthday last week. With fever on the couch and coughing, it's just fantastic. Yeah, just just so, what you need. Exactly, exactly. But how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I I gotta I gotta say, uh, all things considered, considering that uh, COVID is going on, and uh, we had a little fascist uh, attempted coup peel not too long ago. Uh, and I think I think I don't know about you, but uh, I I'm a lover of democracy, so uh, anything. Going in that direction always uh, affects me personally, and uh, I, I feel a little traumatized by it, definitely. So, um, but I, I think I've, I've uh, gotten to deal with it a little bit uh, as, as time has progressed. So, um, I'm I'm okay, and obviously Dortmund's performance against Leipzig has helped as well. And uh, <laughs> on a personal note, I'm also very happy that. Uh, The Sixers did not trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, which was a little scary yesterday. So, um, But enough about me, Matthias. Uh, it's time to dive into the game that happened last Saturday, the top spiel, where Dortmund came away victorious. Just has a habit of getting the ball when he wants it. And he's got it now. Into the box. Haaland cuts it back. Little flick. Sancho makes no mistake. And the scoring has begun. Good physical strength from Haaland and he's just walking through the Leipzig players like they weren't there. That was excellent from Erling Haaland. Chan, Guerrero, little flick, Sancho, back post, 2-0! Just arriving behind Royce. That's a typical Haaland ball, he got two! Last time he came, he's got two! This time he came to Leipzig! Yeah, I think that was really fun and uh, all three goals were uh, probably in the top 10 of uh, goals that Dortmund scored this season. Um, just say uh, open play goals were all uh, rather beautiful, but obviously they all happened in the second half. I think the first one was scored in like the 54th minute or so, I haven't written it down. Uh, but Matthias, before we talk about uh, the uh, nice playful goals that Dortmund scored we have to talk about that first half because that was a very interesting first half um <laughs> afterwards I think the uh, official Bundesliga expected goal stats had a 0.1 for Leipzig and 0.0 for Dortmund so in terms of 
action in front of the goals, it wasn't it wasn't all that uh, exciting. However, um, I I still think that uh, it's it's a half that's uh, meaningful for Dortmund. No, I completely agree. I I was very impressed by Dortmund in that first half. I mean. Granted, you should never look at Twitter, but um, mm. in general. But if you looked at it, you'd think Dalton were losing like five or six uh, zero in that first half. And what what it really, you know, I think the best way you could say it was, you know, uh, an, an at- intense tactical midfield battle. I mean, yeah, there was a little bit more in Dalton's third than in Leipzig's third, but it was very much. In the middle of the pitch, Dortmund frustrated Leipzig. Dortmund played a very effective, um, more defensive-oriented pressing game. It wasn't a low block, but it was it was definitely more a mid-block, let's call it that. Um, and they, they stifled Leipzig like not many teams have uh, over that long of a period of time. And it's really an area that people don't talk about Dortmund. I mean, people like to point out when Dortmund make defensive errors, which I think it's a little bit magnified at times, more than it should be. But in moments like this, Dortmund played a cagey, intelligent, mature first half to also kind of find out what Leipzig are all about. And then in the second half, they just tore them to pieces. As we say, it was a dominant, 100% completely deserved victory. And, you know, you said those goals were in the top 10. I would say this performance was in Dortmund's top one of the season. I mean, this was <laughs> this was the best, most complete performance overall in, in all phases of the game. And so the first half I actually thought was very good. Was it exciting? No. But it was very intriguing to watch how Dortmund dealt with, uh, obviously, a very talented, tactically astute and aggressive Leipzig side. And I thought they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, what's very interesting is uh, what uh, Abel Messeros wrote in uh, in Substack. I don't know, it's probably over 4,000 words, probably less, um, but a lot of screenshots. And uh, he wrote a whole post just about the first half and uh, how Dortmund um, sort of th- their game design was to let uh, Willy Orban run free or run free a little bit because they uh, were intent on uh, closing down uh, Upamecano and uh, Halstenberg in uh, Leipzig's back free. So he was sort of uh, the the one uh, to to make the play, and uh, Gio Reyna was sort of tasked with uh, you know shutting shutting him down, but also trying to to keep uh, the the guy in behind on the wings uh, covered. And uh, I I think that was uh, really interesting to to read, uh, you know, for uh, Reyna to sort of switch between Orban and, and Tyler Adams. And and a uh, bit of Dani Olmo uh, to to try to try to <laughs> keep that one close. And uh, I will wrote about the uh, in, in instructions that uh, Reina got live on the field by by the coaching staff, be it uh, Tessic or Otto Ado, whether he should uh, progress or stay back, etc. etc. So um, in in general, though, I think you're absolutely right. Um, the way Dortmund have shut down Leipzig in the first half and uh, the way um, Leipzig was sort of reverting to a lot of crosses, I think that speaks for itself. I don't have the number written down. Um, how many, um, how many uh, crosses they played? But I, uh, I want to say it was like nineteen, which is very high for them. Yeah, uh, significantly higher than 
but I may get that wrong, but it was much higher. That was clearly the route of attack that they used when they realized they couldn't go through the center. So arguably a season high for Leipzig, because I, I feel like season high is going to be the episode title of, of this uh, episode. Um, yeah, in, interesting. I mean, in, in the first half, they get three shots off. Uh, Yusuf Paulson uh, had a header after 25 minutes. Uh, Danny Olmo had a blocked shot after 27, uh, after 38 minutes, and then uh, another almost shot off target from 23 yards out. So, um, yeah, not not a lot of production here. And uh, it was kind of interesting that uh, the, the, for the second half then looked so completely differently to um, the, the first half. Um, but obviously one turning point of the game, if you will, is that uh, Axel Witzel sadly picked up uh, an injury. He tore his Achilles heel, or his, his Achilles tendon to be more precise, and he will be out for the rest of the season. He uh, received surgery on Monday, I think, uh, in Antwerpen, uh, in Belgium, by by his uh, national team uh, team doctor. I think he conducts surgery. I don't know, but uh, that's what the report said. I'm just going to trust it for now. And uh, yeah, I don't know if he'll be ready or able to play in the Euros or not. I don't know how long he will be out and how long rehab goes. But it's obviously a big blow for Dortmund because Axel Witzel uh, is an important uh, player of uh, Dortmund. And even though Dortmund improved with his absence, uh, having him around uh, is is still important. So um you know, I I wasn't I wasn't too happy when I saw the double pivot lineup Delaney and Witzel, um, but at the same time, uh, over the course of the season, you still want to have Witzel. So uh, his loss overall, I think, hurts Dortmund. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what what you make of it, Matthias, but uh, I I think well, it's it's rather critical. The only good news is obviously that Dortmund have uh, plenty of depth on that position. I mean, Mahmoud Daoud didn't even make the trip to Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, the the long lost Mahmoud. Um, you know, where in the world is Waldo's? Where in the world is Mahmoud? Uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's a position where Dortmund can quote unquote, inf- uh, you know, afford to have some injuries, it's obviously in that six eight position because there are a lot of them. I, I expect to see a lot of Emma Chan, uh, especially because he played exceptionally well against Leipzig, uh, Bellingham, and then maybe even Dahoud. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> when you talked about, and I just confirmed it was 19 crosses for, uh, Leipzig Dortmund only playing eight. So, I mean, that, that shows a lot. Obviously you don't, I mean, crossing a lot when there are three defenders, central defenders in your have a lone striker seems a little pointless, but there, there are other little things like little hints beyond what you see as to what what happened in that match um, from a statistical standpoint, uh, Dortmund played about a hundred less passes predominant, uh, way more long balls, a lot more through balls. Leipzig didn't, didn't attempt a single through ball, which is really interesting. They didn't try to get through Dortmund's defense. And the one that kind of, I found interesting was even though Dortmund played a hundred less passes, the average pass streak. So the amount of combination passes was four. With Leipzig playing a hundred more passes and trying to focus on short passing through the middle, they their average pass streak was only five. So Dortmund did a very good job in disrupting their pass game. In fact, if you look at how often each team got dispossessed, 
Leipzig was dispossessed at a rate of 2-1 to one over Dortmund, and it was predominantly the attacking players. The most dispossessed Dortmund player, unfortunately, is Rafael Guerrero, which, you know... If that happened in, in Dortmund's defensive third, that's a that's a huge warning sign, but it usually happened in the midfield or further up, actually. Um, but what that shows is Dortmund were so effective at shutting down passing lanes and really doing what a lot of teams have done to Dortmund, which is controlling the half space, not allowing the opposition through. And, um, you know, the difference is, you know, Leipzig then resorted to crosses and long shots. Uh, I mean, you mentioned those three shots. I mean, I struggle to really think of many, but where Leipzig decided to take a shot, 58% of Leipzig shots happened outside the box. Dortmund, 67% of their passes happened in the 18 yards, in, in, in the box. So that right there shows a lot about how effective Dortmund were defensively and attacking-wise. They outshot Leipzig and they picked better shots. So it was a very, very mature performance. So, I mean, when you look at it statistically, even it, it underlines how well Dortmund really played. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, well deserved. Uh, you know, also from an expected gold standpoint, uh, FBref slash Statsbomb says, uh, Leipzig had 1.1 in the end and Dortmund 2.4 and Dortmund's 2.4 obviously all came in the second half. Um, what I found interesting, uh, and, and I think we should, uh, you know, keep throwing stats around. I think my favorite stat overall is that uh, Dortmund scored now one f one quarter of uh, Leipzig goals that they have conceded because uh, I think previously it was nine. Now they have conceded twelve. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good one. I mean, um, uh, as as to Guerrero and uh, Meunier, uh, Abel Messeros wrote that uh, both accounted for twenty nine percent of Dortmund's turnovers and. Uh, in, in in many cases, it was, especially in the first half, came down to poor positioning. Uh, in Meunier's case, also poor body positioning when uh, you can make a run into space, but uh, your body is sort of pointing toward your own goal. That's not how you accelerate and uh, gain any ground. And uh, obviously, uh, it also had to do just with uh, the level of aggression that Dortmund played with, because that changed significantly in the second half. And... Um, Dortmund had a couple season highs, and I want to thank Adam Dorowski for pointing uh, most of them out. Uh, and so uh, you can uh, write, uh, read it in a more cohesive piece uh, uh, called Dorowski's stats sheet on theyellowwall.net. But uh, Dortmund had a season high in tackles, 31. They had a season high in, t in interceptions with 28. They had a season high in clearances, 33. And now we come to my favorite segment, which is pressures. And that Dortmund blew completely out of the park. Um, they, they had a season high of 253 pressures. The second highest previously was against Club Rouge with 217. So it's 36 more pressures than uh, in the, in the uh, previous season high. And successful pressures, Dortmund had 101, which is also 36 more than the previous season high. Same game against Bruges. I think it was a home game uh, where Dortmund had 65. So... Um, it just completely shoots out and obviously that translates to individual or personal season highs in, in pressures. Rafael Guerrero had 17, Akanji had 17, Hummels 19, Emre Can 20, Thomas Seleni 29, Girena 32 and Marco Royce had a whopping 44 pressures and uh, the 44 pressures rank him ninth best across Europe's top five league for individual performances this season. 
he is tied with uh, Luca Dio from Nimes and Toni Kroos from Real Madrid in that category. So um, that is obviously a lot to take in, but um, it really shows you how Dortmund pressed Leipzig to shreds in the second half and how effective it is. And, um, you know, I really just want to highlight again the uh, 44 pressures of Marco Reus. Um, that's kind of precious <laughs> because... I think Marco Reus at his best is exactly that player where he terrorizes the opposition, where he uh, pressures them either from behind or uh, f from the front um, and wins a lot of balls or forces turnovers in exactly those positions where Dortmund are the most lethal because Leipzig could not deal with that pressure and lost the ball in, in Dortmund's half space time and time again and uh, their build-up completely collapsed and Dortmund just dominated them in a, in a way that's just beautiful to watch because Dortmund got to play transition football, uh, Leipzig offered them spaces, they were not organized, and uh, yeah, there was some really good combination play coming out of it, but even more importantly, it helped Dortmund keep Leipzig away from their own goal, and that's even more interesting in the way that uh, Leipzig had, I think, the uh, second-most touches in Dortmund's own third Uh I think this season only compared, I think only Bayern had more. Leipzig had, I think, 199 touches in Dortmund's third. And uh, we've already discussed their attacking output, which was not really great, which goes to show that in, in pretty much every uh, area of the pitch, Dortmund controlled Leipzig defensively. And that's, I think, the most important takeaway from this game. But Matthias... Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the pressures because um, season highs in, in these categories against Leipzig is obviously something uh, that requires bravery because uh, Leipzig are a very good team. They are second place and they know how to play football. So coming out against this side in the second half and blowing them away the way Dortmund did uh, takes some serious balls. Well, it does. I mean, there's there's some confidence that got gained back. I mean, Dortmund showed against um, a tactically astute, defensively sound Wolfsburg side a very good performance, and I think that was needed also for confidence at a time where people were were questioning it a lot of times. And now they came against Leipzig and did uh, basically the same thing, just even better. And they looked better. They had a clear plan. And the plan worked. And it's what's interesting is uh, people are don't want to give any credit to Dortmund's coaching staff for this. Um, I, I can't remember who it was, but a few people were like, well, you know, look at, you know, Taz is just probably going to get, uh, you know, a lot of credit for this. Well, I mean, yeah, he probably should as should the entire coaching staff, because players don't get together and say, hey, this is what we're going to do today. That's not how this happens at this level. I mean, this is clearly analyzed, studied, and then the players have to translate that. But I think it was a complete performance also from the coaching staff. Um, sub Substitutions went well. Obviously, Witzel coming off, that wasn't planned. But uh, it, it, was, it was great to see. And the other thing is Jaden Sancho had an extremely good match. And, and it was great to see because before Wolfsburg, everybody was like, he's totally off. I mean, when he missed that one huge opportunity in the, the previous match, I was like, oh, he's off, his head's not in the game. And I was part of that. I mean, I, I was like, oh my God, how do you miss that? Well, he turned it around against Wolfsburg, 
but there were still issues. But here against Leipzig, I'll be honest, Jadon Sancho had a complete match. I mean, he was the best player out there. And uh, Leipzig could not deal with him at all. And obviously, they couldn't deal with, with Holland either, which is... You know, they're not special in that regard. He's he's hard to take <laughs> care of in general. But um, Jaden Sancho just bossed it. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're having a bit of a stat fest here. But Dortmund had 15 key passes. Jaden Sancho had seven of them. Leipzig had six total. You know, I mean, that that right there shows how complete and dominant he was. And when you look at overall passing success... He completed 87% of his passes. That's that's an insanely high statistic for an attacking player. When you look at Leipzig's three attacking players of Forsberg, Paulsen, and Olmo, Olmo had 76. That was the highest. So that just shows how well Jaden Sancho played. And uh, he was really the catalyst for the success that Dortmund had on the day. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would like to take some credit because I said Leipzig were going to win 3-1 to one and then I announced my reverse jinx. But uh, sadly, I cannot because uh, at the time of the recording, I was not aware that Julian Nagelsmann, who obviously, uh, when I'm like a level 15 paladin, he's like a level 60 clown when he said that <laughs> he's planning with the win. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that was obviously going to jinx. What Leipzig. the hell? Uh, seriously, what the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, he is he is destined to be a Bayern coach because he's got the Bayern asshole DNA to a hundred percent. I mean, it's like really, you know, you're playing against Dortmund and not Schalke, right? Like this is an actually really good team, and to say something that cocky and arrogant. I'm glad Dortmund stuffed it down his throat. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I, I uh, took the opportunity to do one of these how it started, how it's going tweets, <laughs> uh, because yeah, it's 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 just uh, kind of hilarious. Um, but no, um, uh, what I find very satisfying is that we have been talking, and obviously the press has been asking Edin Tessic almost every news conference about how he's uh, planning to bring Royce and Sancho back to form, and the way. Haaland, Royce and Sancho combined for the first goal. It's just absolutely delicious because that little flicked back heel by Royce is a perfect layoff for Sancho. It's it's just amazing to see and that's the, the, the kind of, you know, free-flowing football you want to see and you know these guys are capable of, but obviously you need the little bit of lightness and ease and pizzazz uh, to, to pull these kinds of things off. And so it's really nice to see that Marco Royce has the awareness because in, in most of these situations he likes to take a shot, but that he uh, knew that there was a better placed player behind him uh, or, you know, had the instinct. Um, congratulations. <laughs> and obviously that uh, Jaden Sancho would just have a dry shot to the uh, short post and just put it away um, was obviously very important and also kind of amazing. So just overall, how Dortmund broke through from I think it was a throw in like and then a one two between Royce and then Haaland and uh, yeah, when Haaland you know sparks the afterburner, he is really hard to to stop. So um, yeah, I I think it was really important to see them sort of link up and uh, this has then been I think sort of the theme for every goal. Um, so Matthias, I've, I've had a little Twitter poll and I was asking people whether they, uh, you know, which goal was their favorite. And I think the, the two, no one, 
um, overall, uh, which was obviously that in insane Harlan solo. Um, what was your favorite though? Yeah, that was that was definitely it. I mean, his um, physical power to just manhandle and dominate the Leipzig players and then just the entire flow of how that all came together. I think I tweeted gorgeous goal. I mean, that's that's what I thought of there. I mean, it was the complete goal uh, went over multiple uh, stations, but it 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 really it it underlined. I don't even think difference maker is the right term for Holland at this point. <laughs> uh, he's like team wrecker because uh, Dalton obviously looked totally different. He with or without him, I mean, he is that dynamic of an extreme when it comes to the type of player he is. So um, that that's definitely my favorite one. Yeah, I mean, Haaland now has uh, scored 12 goals, two assists in the uh, 10 Bundesliga appearances this uh, season, and he's scoring a goal every 65, uh, every 68.5 minutes. So uh, that alone is an amazing statistic, but it almost belies his performances and the, the integral part he is playing, because if you look at, uh, you know, how he, I think, dribbled past uh, three defenders and then passed the ball through another two, uh, <laughs> that's just an insane move and it's really hard to defend uh, I mean uh, Leipzig obviously could have stopped him with the foul but uh, otherwise uh, they, they can't and just the, the way Dortmund then um, distributed possession like just quickly you know he had a couple of back heels in there and then Jane Central with that cross um, yeah and Holland then using all his uh, physicality to just force this one with his head over the line so um, an amazing goal um, well what also is really interesting about the 3-0 the Dortmund scored is how tired Leipzig were at the end of the game because you do not lead, let Marco Reus be this open for this long, uh, sort of in the number 10 spot. And uh, so, yeah, uh, obviously Haaland's legs extend forever and ever that he still got to the ball and managed then to run. Uh, Gulashi is obviously uh, an amazing feat. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's really the key to Dortmund's game that they managed to um, uh, outlast Leipzig and and really uh, won won the game in, in a very physical battle. So um, we've talked about this very often uh, that Dortmund sometimes get bullied, and Mats Hummels specifically talked about is, is exactly this issue in an interview I think uh, in that week. So Matthias, just seeing that Dortmund were more roughing up Leipzig than the other way around, I think was for Dortmund fans also very pleasing. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it, it shut a lot of people up uh, because I think a lot of people shared Nagelsmann's overly confident, arrogant attitude. Even though when you looked at how Dortmund dealt with a very difficult Wolfsburg side the week before, I'm I'm a little confused by the this overconfidence and a lack or lack of confidence in Dortmund's uh, abilities because they've shown more ability than lack thereof over the course of the last few years um so it, it was it was great to see Dortmund boss i mean they bossed that game there's no there's no question about it and boss a very good team uh, that is, is yes, hateable to the nth degree. <laughs> so, um, 
it, it was it was good to see. And Dortmund also didn't shrink from the physicality of the way Wolfsburg played. So I think it was actually from a setup of matches, the way they they work together, first Wolfsburg and then Leipzig, was actually really good. Because you're dealing with two defensively sound, physical, tactically astute teams with dangerous attacking players that are pushing for Champions League spots. So, I mean, it was it was actually a perfect combo. It could have gone horribly bad, obviously, but it didn't. Dortmund were mature against Wolfsburg and dominant against Leipzig. And uh, I do, I, I expect that now to continue. Yeah, uh, we got a question from uh, Awesome Bill on, on Twitter and he asked about um, uh, not subbing out Haaland in the end because uh, it, it looked a little like uh, uh, Tig is coming on and I think... It, Brandt alongside him came on for Royce and Sancho. Uh, I personally don't think that uh, the, that Terzic was planning to take Haaland off. I think that was just a, the substitution. But obviously when you're 3-0 up, you theoretically can take Haaland off there, especially knowing uh, his history with hamstring injuries. And, uh, you know, if if he goes out, then that's a big worry. So Matthias... Uh, do you think that Terzic should have uh, brought Haaland off as well there? No. Uh, I think um, we can't forget we had this match once against Leipzig in Dortmund when there were fans in the stadium where Dortmund were better and dominant and then imploded at the beginning of the second half. Uh, and the fact that you know Leipzig did get a goal back, keeping him on there keeps... It, it kept Leipzig honest. That's the thing. You know, they can't overcommit to the attack because you have to account for Holland. If you're only accounting for Tigges, you're more likely to go, yeah, we'll give him a little extra room, even though that almost proved fatal. Um, so to keep a team like Leipzig honest, even at that scoreline, I I agree with keeping Holland on. Now, if it was the same scoreline against, say, the upcoming opponent in Mainz or someone that's not one of the top five or six teams, I would have taken him off. Uh, but against that, you, you, you force the opposition to account for him. And that means they can't just throw everything at you. Yeah, I mean, as uh, Abel pointed out, at least uh, in the entire first half, uh, Leipzig pretty much had Haaland in double coverage, and I think it showed that uh, he was pretty much isolated, but that's uh, not only due to the double coverage, it was also just because Dortmund uh, were off and forced to the, to the wings and then sort of lost the ball there. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite amazing how Dortmund turns this around with, uh, you know, the, the energetic style they played in the second half and how they just crushed Leipzig. So... Um, I'm I'm really happy with that, but uh, that being said, Matthias, if we shall move on to the next game, um, Dortmund have made it a habit to look really good against uh, top teams in the Bundesliga and then turn around and uh, lay an egg against the bottom dwellers. And now they meet Mainz 05, who are obviously in 18th place. Uh, Mainz so far have won only one game against Freiburg. Uh, they have otherwise three draws and 11 losses. Uh, Mainz arrive in Dortmund on a seven-game winless streak. They are the fourth-worst attack in the Bundesliga with 14 goals scored and the second-worst defense with 33 goals against. You can take a guess who the worst defense is. Um, leading goalscorer of Mainz is Mateta, obviously, with seven goals. Uh, from their six points, uh, four of them came on the road. So to that's something to keep in mind, I guess. And obviously, uh, 
They have a total of seven scorers, but only Kwaison is the only other player next to Mateta who scored more than one goal. Kwaison has scored two goals, so um, yeah, does uh, not bode too well for Mainz uh, that their attacking output is not that great. But that being said, they uh, scored two goals away to Bayern in the Allianz Arena, and uh, if it weren't for uh, conceding five in the second half, uh, they looked on to uh, like like a team that actually could get something. Away to Munich, I think uh, Jan Siebert was the interim coach for that uh, 5-2 to loss since then uh, Bo Svensson has taken over um, and he lost the first game a little bit undeserved, people say, I don't know, I didn't watch it against Frankfurt, it was a 2 loss last weekend, so um, obviously uh, Mainz in general are an opponent that Dortmund like to play against, especially at home and uh, you know, that being said Last time around, uh, it was a 2 loss at home on the 32nd match day. And that, I, I, I think in between came the uh, really good performance away to Leipzig. So, uh, Edin Tetsch was warning at today's press conference like heck about this uh, game. Matthias, is this the classic old Dortmund trap game? Or uh, do you think that this uh, will be the uh, bigger indicator of Dortmund's upswing in form than uh, maybe Wolfsburg and Leipzig? I don't know if it's going to be a bigger indicator uh, playing against the bottom team. I don't see it as being the trap game because I think Mainz are just really bad, to be honest. Uh, you know, there, it's not, you know, oftentimes people tweet something, they regret sending it out. It's not often that you regret not tweeting something. When I saw the scoreline against Bayern, <laughs> I was like, yeah, cue uh, Bayern 5-2 win. And then they did. I was like, oh, man, I should have tweeted that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, what, what, what's Mainz, the value in being right about Bayern winning again, Matthias? What, what's the value? Well, Please explain. Well, I think it's very high value. I mean, teams that lose against Kiel, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just, that's, that's tough, man. I mean, if you're, if you're struggling in the Zweite Bundesliga like Bayern are, then, uh, th things are difficult. I, I, I feel for them. Yeah. We, we, we it's, actually, we actually. It's the time of empathy. Yeah. Of, of course it is. But we actually did forget, <laughs> uh, in, in, in terms of empathy to, uh, to, uh, feel with Bayern, uh, And their Friday loss against Gladbach, because that obviously was in the context, or Dortmund's win was sort of in the context of Leipzig having the opportunity to go first. So um, that's you know, I, it it could have it could have really been a nine point game for Dortmund, meaning that had they lost, they would have been nine points behind Leipzig. Now it's three points. So uh, you know, the quote unquote six point game, um, yeah. Uh, makes it really important that Dortmund came away victorious and now obviously Dortmund are still five points off the top of the table, but at least Bayern right now have a little dip in form, so maybe Dortmund can somehow exploit that. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, reserved yet to jazz it up to, oh, Dortmund are back in the title race and everything's possible now. Uh, first of all, beat Mainz and then we'll see. Um, but second of all, Uh, yeah, Bayern are still Bayern. So uh, <laughs> uh, it was obviously fun to watch them go out against Kiel, but uh, I'm not entirely sure how uh, long their uh, winless streak will go on. But that being said, they will now face Freiburg, who have uh, won five games on the bounce, which is, I think, a club record for Freiburg, and they just pounce Cologne five to nothing. So uh, one can be a little hopeful that Freiburg might get a point or even three at the Allianz Arena, but uh, I digress. Matthias, back to Mainz. Um, 
it's obviously a complicated team uh, in the sense that they will, uh, I, I guess, just sit back and uh, try to hit Dortmund on the counter and uh, other teams have had success with that tactic before. So um, what does Dortmund need to do better than uh, they did against, say, Augsburg or Stuttgart against Mainz? I don't know. Be creative, <laughs> you know. Not, not, not play with Witzel and Delaney, which obviously will not happen. Um, add some more creative flair to the side. I think timing-wise, this couldn't be worse for Mainz because you have Jaden Sancho back in form and full of confidence, and Marco Reus, uh, who was, I think, scored and Marco Reus as well. Mainz. Exactly, and Holland, and Delaney's playing well, and Chan played well, and you know Hummels is. On, on top game, Akanji doing well. So it's, it's really, it's not a good time for Mainz uh, to face Dortmund. If they could have picked it, they would have picked it at the, you know, mid-December. That would have been a perfect time. Uh, the nice thing is right now also all the media focus is on Bayern's crisis and everyone's ignoring Dortmund now uh, because unfortunately for the Bildzeitung, uh, Dortmund won these two matches. Uh, but I, I just see, I, I'll be honest. I mean, Freiburg's not going to beat Bayern. I think I'll, I'll just go out on a limb there. Um, but here I just, I'll be honest. If Dortmund just don't play naive, if they add some creativity, if they show some movement and if they make sure that they don't lose Mateta in terms of, Oh, where'd he show up? Where'd he go? And, you know, defend corners. Let's not forget that. Uh, which, by the way, Leipzig were really bad at. I mean, their corners were bad. That was bad set piece taking from them. So um, that that's the key thing. Shore up your set pieces, even though Mainz aren't really, they, they haven't scored much from set pieces. Uh, they're not overly concerned with crossing, but again, they've changed managers. So it's kind of a Wundertüte, see what happens. Uh, approach, but yeah, the trying to soak up pressure and then having someone like Mateta to get on the end of a long ball for a goal, that is obviously going to be the tactic as well as trying to get set pieces. So don't want to have to do two, two, two main things or three main things. Be creative to unlock them. So don't be so static like you have been. Don't concede stupid set pieces and make sure, honestly, I would just put Akanji in on Mateta. You know, because then you have you have the right speed matchup, and that way you don't have Mateta isolated against Hummels. Hummels positionally will beat Mateta, but if the ball somehow gets through, Mateta will blow past Hummels just for speed. So, um, you know, kind of make a con- basically. Um, it was kind of like wasn't it Vekost who was. Uh, having nightmares of Akanji yeah. for days after that because Akanji was just on him all the time. I would do the exact same he- thing here against Mainz because Mainz only have one attacking threat, and that's Mateta. So you may as well put your fastest central defender and honestly one of the fastest players on your team on him. Yeah. That, that's what I would do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the first point because... Um, if Dortmund can build on the performances against Wolfsburg and Leipzig, then uh, we can maybe even see some free-flowing football against Mainz and even a defensive side. Um, Obviously, um, you can't take it for granted what happened against Leipzig because uh, entirely different game, entirely different situation, entirely different opponent. And so um, it's it's, uh, not the easiest task 
to break down an opponent like Mainz, but obviously they are last in the table. They are prone to individual errors. So um, you got to force those. And Dortmund have shown in the past frequently against Mainz that they can do that, that Mainz are prone to errors. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Daniel Brusinski getting yet another yellow card because I think every time he plays against them, uh, he gets uh, booking at least. I think uh, so far in the matchups, he has gotten three. He's like leading in yellow cards against Dortmund. In, in this matchup, so um, yeah, this is this is something I'm looking forward to that Dortmund exploit uh, Mainz's uh, defend defenders because they are just not really good individually. So this is uh, where they need to be bullied and and punished. And uh, if Reus, Sancho, and Haaland all keep up that you know form, and even Girena checks back in into the uh, goal and assist providing department, then I think this should be a very uh, nice Saturday morning slash afternoon, depending on where you live in the world, or even evening. Um, so, Matthias, uh, I personally am predicting that Dortmund are winning this 3 to nothing. And uh, what about you? I was going to go with that same scoreline because I was first like, oh, I'm feeling confident, four or five goals. No, let's not. Let's not go there. Um, and because that did go well the last time I did that. So I'm going to go with the 3-0 as well. Okay, so uh, one little warning is that uh, Emre Can and Thomas Eleni are both on four yellow cards right now. So it kind of nice going into a week where Dortmund will face, I think, aren't they going to face Leverkusen and then Gladbach consecutively in an English week? If I'm not mistaken, it kind of be nice if... Uh, uh, if not both are out against Leverkusen, because then you would have a Bellingham, Dahoud double pivot in Bellingham, just recovered from injury, and Dahoud is out of match practice. So that'd be kind of awkward, but uh, yeah, uh, obviously something to keep an eye on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll realize when it happens, even without my warning. So anyway, Matthias, I think we can knock it on the head here. Um, I had fun discussing it, and uh, I'm uh, very glad you came prepared with all the statistics you had, uh, because that uh, was a nice addition to the uh, statistics that Adam Doroski prepared for me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, please uh, tell our listeners how to follow you on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matiasuk, and it was a pleasure. And, you know, after a match like that, you got to delve into the stats and show just how much better Dortmund are than the trash from Leipzig. Yeah, but the really nice thing is that was one of those games where the, the stats almost 100% backed up the things that you saw in the field. So uh, it's always nice when, when statistics back up your narrative other than you go and check because you thought something you saw will be backed up and then it's the complete opposite. So that was nice. So th thank you, Dortmund, for, for doing that. And obviously um, having so many season highs exciting against a second place team like Leipzig who thought they were on high form and could, uh, you know, just kill Dortmund uh, willy-nilly and then ended up getting sucker punched three times. Or not even that's 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 too too gracious on Leipzig here, just just getting utterly destroyed in the second half and pressed to shreds. So uh, yeah, I I really hope that we will see more of that from Dortmund. Um, Matthias, maybe lastly, I I mean sort of almost the intro, but it just popped into my head. Um, do you think that it helped that Dortmund so played a low energy football, quote unquote, under Lucien Favre, which obviously I don't want to insult him, but. Uh, that they now have a bit more left in the tank to play a high aggressive pressing style uh, for for games like this. Because look at Bayern, they always play a high aggressive style and now they're completely running out of uh, 
energy, but Dortmund looked pretty fresh here on uh, last Saturday. No, I think it does play a, a role, but also the first half where Dortmund sat back a little bit more, defended a little bit more, weren't as extremely pre uh, pressing and, and high up the pitch, helped as well. Whereas, like you had mentioned, Leipzig kind of ran out of gas when Dortmund still had plenty left. So, absolutely, agree. All right, all right. So, uh, you can find me at Stefan Botsko. You can find all of us on uh, Yellow Wall Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And obviously, if you want to read our written content, go to theyellowwall.net. If you want to contribute financially to the show, sponsor an episode, etc., go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall.net for more information and please subscribe to our youtube channel or uh, subscribe to us via itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify etc and uh, we shall be back after the game against Mainz because we have to obviously preview the match against leverkusen which will obviously also be a lot of fun hopefully so until then as always uh, stay safe and goodbye